you're going to go through a really dark period of your life and it's going to feel like it lasts forever. But understand that is where the strength comes. And you, does everyone cry when they do this? Cause I'm going to cry. You are worthy of feeling the way you want to feel. And that's exactly what the world needs from you. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. You know those conversations that leave your heart cracked wide open in all the best ways? Well, I just had one of those with Heather Chauvin, uh, who is on the podcast today. You're all going to, I just know it. I was telling Heather um, at the end of this episode, I said, you know, I can literally feel our listeners' hearts opening as they hear you speak. So thank you. Like I have so much gratitude to Heather for being so transparent, being so open to share a story that isn't always easy to share. Um, she, she talks about a cancer diagnosis, how it's shaped so much of the woman that she is today and who she is today and the steps she's taken as a result of it. So please keep listening. Um, And really like open those notebooks. This is one of those where there are so many wisdom bombs that you're going to want to take notes. You're going to want to remember. I know that I did and I'm excited to actually go back and listen to this um, because I find just like a good book, um, an audio, a podcast, an audio book, every single time you listen to it, there are new pieces of wisdom that reveal themselves to you. So I, I know that that will be the case with this incredible, incredible um, woman. Heather Chauvin is a leadership coach who helps ambitious, overwhelmed women break free from their fears to courageously and authentically live, work, and parent on their own terms. She's a TEDx, TEDx speaker, author of Dying to Be a Good Mother, and host of the highly loved podcast, Emotionally Uncomfortable, with over 6 million downloads and counting. Heather started her career as a social worker, helping adults understand children's behavior. But it wasn't until 2013 when a stage four cancer diagnosis pushed her to take a deeper stand for change, uncovering how cultural expectations sabotage our dreams. She has been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, Real Simple Magazine, Mind Body Green, Google, and more. When Heather isn't working, you will find her living out what she teaches, which may include kayaking Alaska, snowboarding, hiking, or anything else that challenges what she believes is possible for herself, and inviting her children along the journey. I hope that you enjoy this episode. If you love it, please consider leaving a review for us. Um, and really just let's get this information in the hands of those who can learn from it and grow from it and evolve in all the best possible ways. Do you ever feel like you wish you could do more for this generation of girls, our future generation of women, like actually be a change agent on the front lines and introduce girls to their many superpowers? I always ask myself this question, who would I be today if as a young girl, I was told that I am powerful beyond measure? Who would you be, beautiful listener? I know it in my heart that it's time that girls are taught from as young an age as possible that they have everything they need within them to create a beautiful life. 
Why do we need to wait until our 30s and 40s to finally start feeling good in our skin with our own thoughts, in our own bodies? The stats are that a girl's self-confidence peaks at age nine. This is a stat that I can't live with and I'm literally in the business of changing. If you too feel the feels when you hear this and want to learn more about what you can do, like our 190 facilitators across the globe are doing to start running their girls empowerment workshops, events, businesses, I want you to learn more about the Girl Life Academy. It's time for all women to step into a career that adds value to the planet, rewards us personally, professionally, spiritually, and financially. We are welcoming new heart-centered girl life facilitators all year around to run our curriculum in their local communities. We provide you with the certification, the business know-how, a supportive community, and so much more to get your girls empowerment endeavor off the ground in a smooth yet powerful way. To learn more about the application process and how you can make the Girl Life Academy a part of your personal reality, go to www.girllifeempowerment.com. That's with one L, www.girllifeempowerment.com or check out our show notes to learn more. Heather Chauvin, I'm so happy to have you here. (laughs) You said it right. Yay. We were just talking about this before I hit record. I'm like, how do we say your last name? And she, she quizzed me. She's like, how would you say it? And I told Heather, I said, I'm from Ontario, Canada as well. And I'm feeling a little bit of a French vibe in there. So it's Chauvin. How do you say it, Heather? Say it for us. Yeah. I would say that like Chauvin, Chauvin. like Chauvin, but I don't speak French. So I am probably like pronouncing it incorrectly. So it sounds good to me. And I speak a little bit of French. So, so anyway, I'm so excited to have you here. Welcome to the empowering her podcast. You are such a light and I've been doing my research. I've been listening to podcast episodes with you and reading up on you. And I'm just so excited for everything that our audience is about to experience on this call. Um, I always love, love, love to start at the beginning and you have such a story. Um, let's talk about, cause th- there's such a profound date in your life, December 21st, 2013. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about that date and how that really gave way to so much of who you are today. So that day, I always tell people, <clears throat> December 21st was the day that I chose to live. Ooh. Um, like truly figure out what it means to feel alive. So December 21st, 2013, um, I walked into the emergency room with my husband. Um, I was actually there the night before and left because I told myself, um, I'm not sick enough to be here and I don't have time for this. Mm-hmm. Um, but with a routine, with routine blood work and a CT, I was told on the spot based on my health and what they saw on the CT that I had cancer. My abdomen at the time was swollen and I looked about six months pregnant, um, but it grew very rapidly. So at first it felt like abdominal bloating. And then a few days later, it was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, like very fast. Um, and of course I had other symptoms with it, with fatigue and all the things, 
but I convinced myself, like, I'm a mother. I have three boys. My youngest was around a year old at the time. And I was like, this is motherhood. This is mothering. Like I'm supposed to be overwhelmed and chronically fatigued. So I kind of just like compartmentalized and kept deflecting and pushing through. And, you know, I got pats on the back. I was superwoman. Um, and this is, this is adulthood. Suck it up, buttercup. This is motherhood. This is womanhood. Um, but there was a deep, like there was a deeper voice inside of me that was like, not this, not this, like there has to be another way. Um, but my to-do list, my children's needs, all the things like was incredibly overpowering that I didn't really know how to create the capacity to even challenge the, the status quo and really trust my, myself. Um, but that day, December 21st was actually nine years after I started my personal development journey. Mm. So I talk about it in my book, Dying to Be a Good Mother, and people want to know the cancer story and all of that. But it actually happened like that wasn't the thing that that changed me. It was like a next level, like, holy shit moment. Mm -hmm. But it was nine years before that um, when I became a mother and I was 18 when I became a mother. And that was the moment, my first moment of like, I feel like I'm failing. I don't want to become a statistic and I don't know what to do. Um, and so I started reading the books and doing all the things. I became a social worker. Um, and then my son at the time who's now 18 was like starting to present little behavioral things like anxiety and, um, you know, all the things that parents worry about or like normal things, right? Talking back, explosive, like yelling, anger, all the things, having tantrums in the grocery store. And I didn't know how to manage that. I didn't know how to like self-regulate and do all those things. So then I went on this journey of self-discovery, meditation and mindfulness. And so bringing my journey through mothering and seeing and understanding children's behavior and emotional regulation and my cancer story has kind of brought me to where I am today. My goodness. Wow. What, what a profound story and how interesting, like your self discovery journey really started before the cancer diagnosis, but there are always these new levels that we reach, right? Like this world is our classroom and we're constantly being challenged to learn more, to show up more. Um, so, so for your mothering journey, and like when we talk about this cancer diagnosis, you say something that I feel is so insightful and so different than what we would imagine you would say with a cancer diagnosis. You said cancer was your permission slip for not suffering. One might think that it's your permission slip. Okay. Like go for it. Like let loose, suffer all you want woman, but you were like to not suffer. Can you explain that for us? Yeah. So I, I invested a lot. I didn't have a lot of financial means back then, but I invested a lot of time and energy. So I think investments, people think investment is like financial investment, but you can't just swipe your credit card and think your life's going to change. You have to physically do the work. So when you're reading a book, 
like study the book and actually implement some of the strategies in the book. Like there's a lot of wisdom in books. There's a lot of wisdom in YouTube. There's a lot of wisdom in podcasts, but it's in the implementation. So I had nine years of implementation and I did attend retreats and I did have quote unquote expensive mentors, quality mentors. And I was doing the work. But when I was doing the work, I was dabbling into all of these things and I understood them intellectually, but I didn't understand them on like a, like a cellular level. Um, and my focus was changing my child's behavior and building a business. Those two things are external. So when you feel out of alignment in your life, like you're just like, I feel like crap. I'm, I'm, I have no energy. I'm in debt, mental debt, spiritual debt, financial debt. Like you feel it, right? I'm like, I ask people all the time, like, how do you want to feel? I'm like, no one ever says like shit. No one ever tells me they want to feel like shit. They never say they want to be chronically exhausted or overwhelmed or disempowered. No one ever says that. They say, I want to feel alive. I want to feel energized. I want to feel free. And I call bullshit. Mm -hmm. The reason why I call bullshit is because one, I don't think we know how. We've never been taught the how. And you can read the personal development books. You can do all the things. But the actual how of becoming the person that you desire to be and feel that energy is emotionally uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Healing is not, uh, it, it, it tickles a little bit. It, but this, the lack of suffering, um, that I chose, I just remember when I was diagnosed, I was like, I will never get to a state in my life like this again. I see the lesson here. I understand it. That box has been checked. I will. I made a commitment to myself. No, I could have never paid anybody to make that decision for me. I was just like, I know how I got here. I got here from not listening to my body. Mm-hmm. And I don't just mean symptoms of like, oh, I need to go to the doctor and I need to do this. Like aches and pains, not seeing the light of day not putting any nutritious food in my body and and buying into this, like eating the crust off your kids, you know, freaking sandwiches, like not nourishing your body, like not putting any water into your body, right? Not creating any space. So that lack of suffering was like, I am done. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not reading the book and then putting things on my calendar and then telling myself I don't have time for it and constantly putting other people's needs in front of mine. Now, transitioning from like making that decision and actually doing it, that's where resistance comes in. And resistance is just a feeling. So I had to learn that was like the next level of like, how do I take action even though this is emotionally uncomfortable? So it wasn't that I just said, I will never suffer again. And then my life was easy after that. Right, right. No, that's fascinating. So then what comes next, right? Like we are hit up with this huge level of resistance and we're like, I want to do the things. I also want to stop chronically overworking myself, this crazy hustle culture. So how, what do we do when we come up against that resistance? So I have changed a lot in the last nine years and people may or may not understand what I'm saying because I've been doing a lot of inner work. Mm. But when your identity is attached to 
how much is on your to-do list and what you accomplish in a day, it is actually terrifying to have space. So when I'm working with people, they can come in and say, I'm chronically overwhelmed. I'm angry and resentful. I'm in debt. I'm working so hard, but I'm ready for change. I see the armor that they wear. And then when we start to do the work, I usually see within about 30 or 60 days, like the ones that are ready for change, they're like, Heather, now my problem is I have space and I'm scared of it. And I tell people you're either mastering overwhelm or you're mastering abundance. Both can still be overwhelming. You have to learn to have boundaries. So understanding number one, that your identity is attached, like your actions create your identity, right? Your beliefs create what you take action on and what you take action on creates the identity. So if I tell myself as an example, I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow morning and I never follow through, I'm not trusting myself. And I'm going to be like, I'm the type of person that can't go to the gym in the morning versus I'm not going to go to the gym tomorrow because it's just not my thing right now. And I keep giving up on myself. So I'm going to go to the gym midday or afternoon, even if it's for 20 minutes. And then I can become the type of person that doesn't break promises to myself because I've made it more sustainable. And then I can start to work on doing it in the morning. So then I'm like, well, I'm just the type of person that goes to the gym at for lunch every day. And that breaks up my day. I'm that type of person. And that, that has now become my identity. So it's really about understanding that yes, there's realistic action, but your resistance, like you are literally changing how you see yourself. I love that. And it's all about the stories we tell, isn't it? Like, what's the story you're telling yourself? And I I like how you started with like, I'm the type of person and that's malleable, right? That's flexible. That can totally shift and change. So Mm -hmm. I I love that you bring attention to that. Now, um, I know in my own personal journey, like my, my professional journey, I was the, the woman who was like in hustle culture, like kind of, I, I bought into it. I was I was raised literally to like, if I was not doing something, then there was something wrong. I needed to be productive. I needed to work. I needed to move. Uh, And I brought that with me into my life. And, you know, I had my two daughters and I always say having my girls has been like a rebirthing journey for myself. Um, But I constantly speak to this community now because I'm so gratefully on the other side of this. Uh, It was a little bit of COVID, a little bit of my health, a little bit of everything that contributed to me, you know, kind of chilling and doing less to do more in my business. And Mm -hmm. so I obviously, when I share this with our community, I I have my own languaging around it. I'd love to hear from you. Like, how do we just dismantle this idea, this badge of honor that we wear as women, Mm -hmm. that we have to do it all and, and that we have to take it all on ourselves. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you, but like, I'm assuming you're a doer, right? Like you're a dreamer. And when people started with this, like do less, um, that actually gave me anxiety and not because it was about doing less, but I was like, you can't tell 
a workhorse to like stop working. Like if I'm going to identify as a dreamer or a visionary, that pull inside of me is not going to go away to like do big things or make an impact. So the tendencies to burn out or overdo or overstretch, like there's so much around here, but there's those types of people that just don't want to be ambitious. It's It can be a personality trait, it can be all the things. But here's what I tell people, this whole like, how do you do it all? And then everyone's response of like, I don't do it all. Like, stop asking that old question. Not, not you. I just mean why people are saying like, oh, I need to do it all. Doing it all is doing. It's not being. So here's the thing. What do you think doing it all? What's the feeling behind it? Right? Like, I think most people we are going after a feeling. We're not going after the material thing. So if someone's like, I want more money, great. What do you think that is going to give you? It's going to give me this sense of ease and like the pressure is going to be taken off my chest and I'm going to sleep better at night. Awesome. I want to stop yelling at my children or I want my children to listen to me. What is the feeling you're after? Connection, ease, space. I want to make a bigger impact in the world. I want to do this. I want to start a business. I want to start a podcast. I want to, what are the feelings that you're after? I want to do it all. Great. What do you want? I want fulfillment. Awesome. Fulfillment, ease, space, freedom has nothing to do with, like, you have to let go of the actions of how you're going to get there. Mm -hmm. So, I'll give you a really good example. First of all, this shit never goes away. It's a rinse and repeat process and it's a life thing. Like I've been at this for almost a decade post-treatment when I declared that I will never go back. And here I am still refining and working those things, right? It's like, it's a relationship. So I'm still ambitious. I still want to make a big impact. I Do I want to do it all? No. Do I love space and ease and freedom? 100%. Is that my lifestyle? Yeah, pretty much. Do I get off track sometimes? 100%. When I'm not in alignment, I stop, I realign, and I have boundaries. But if I ask myself, what are you after? You say you want this. What's the feeling that you're after? I have to start putting those feelings on my calendar first. Because if I'm just focused on the thing or the goal, that's when you become disconnected from yourself and you've now become a robot and a servant. Ooh, put it on your calendar. Put the feeling on your calendar. Yeah. I love that. I have someone in my life who She's, she's like that person. She's constantly go, 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 go. And it's like, you know, I, I, we, we try to talk about it, but she's like, if I don't do it, it's not going to get done. If I don't show up. What exactly. And what is the fear of that? Like, what is the fear of dropping the ball? And I'm going to give you a really good example. Holidays. Right. Christmas season was just over. Everyone stresses themselves out. Not everyone, but that's the traditional conversation. And our Christmas tree stayed up way longer 
than I quote unquote wanted it to. I have three children in my house, 18, 13, 10. I have a partner. Why do I have to take down the Christmas decorations? So I looked at my husband because I'm the primary worker. He works within the company and we work together. So we're both working, but I'm like the face of the brand and I put myself out there and I work more than him hour wise, kind of, but we're a team. And I said, honey, our children are very capable of taking down the Christmas tree. This is not my responsibility. I'm declaring I'm not doing this. And if it stays up till June, so be it. Uh, The woman who comes and cleans our house came and made a passive aggressive comment and said, oh, your tree's still up. And I looked at her and I said, it's not my responsibility. And she looked at me like, what? Like it's past the date. She's like, oh my God, that would drive me nuts. I would just do it. And I said, but guess what? It is driving me nuts inside. It's driving me nuts. But if I don't hold a boundary and say, I don't have the capacity for this, I would much rather go to the gym, go for a walk, meditate, journal, attend to our children's needs, to do all the other things on my to-do list and just say, I need support with this. Is somebody capable of helping me? And then sit with your shit. That is me changing my identity and also opening the space to say, can someone help? And there was resistance. Oh, I don't want to do that for my own partner. I don't want to do that. And I'm like, great. Do you think I want to do it? No. So we're going to either do it together or we're going to figure it out, but I don't have the capacity. So it can legit stay there for six months. I didn't yell. I didn't argue. Why? Because if I was triggered with anger or resentment, be like, oh, I have to do everything around here. Then I'm playing the victim. And I was like, if I feel angry, I'm going to go for a walk and process my anger. I'm not going to puke it onto my family. And the Christmas tree got taken down and I didn't do it. Mm, I love it. I love that example. It's such a, it's such like a real, like real, level example where we can all definitely relate to. And it's really like, like having um, an understanding with your own inner being, right? I love how you said, you're not going to puke it out on your kids. You're going to deal with your own anger. You're going to sit with the discomfort of why it's such a big deal for that Christmas tree to hang out there for as long as it has. And yes, there's meaning behind it. And also you're not going to let the outside world affect how you're going to feel. So the resistance from your family, the person who's cleaning your home, making a comment like that, right? Like you're sitting with that. And as long as you're cool with it, that's what's mm-hmm. important. So, so I really, really love that you share that. So I want to go back to, I'm like, I want to, can I take it one yeah. step further? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I think here's the thing we have our long to-do list and then people tell you to delegate. So now what you're doing is you're taking a chunk of your list and you're just outsourcing. You're like, they're like, just delegate, just delegate. Okay. So now my husband, I'm going to use my husband as an example, because he's the other adult in the house or the kids. They are overwhelmed too with their own lives. So I can't just dump 
my quote unquote mental list onto them and be like, well, I delegated. I have to say, okay, I have all of this on my list. Take down the Christmas tree. I just feel like I don't have the capacity for that. Um, How can we as a family? So either it's my husband and I having a meeting and talking about that, or we're bringing a child on board or whatever, and then saying, when is this going to get physically done? And then allocating time for it. So if my husband's like, I'll do it tomorrow, right? Like somebody take responsibility for it. They've agreed to it. So I think sometimes as women, we have our list, we're overwhelmed. Then we've kind of come around to the idea to delegating. So then we're like, I just put it on somebody else's plate. Yeah, but they're overwhelmed too. And they may not have the self-regulation skills or like energy management skills to allocate that. So take it and get a confirmation of like, awesome. Do you have the capacity? When's it going to get done? And then you can hold that person accountable to their own resistance. But I just wanted to like, it's not about us being angry and resentful as women and being like, oh my God, society expects so much from us. And now we're just dumping onto other people. It's let's become the coach and co-create with others so that they feel aligned as well. I love it. I love it. So it's like collaboration over delegation, right? It's a collaborative approach. We're going to do this. How are we going to do this together? That just feels so much better to me, right? Like that just, that just sits so much better. Um, it's healthy. And I appreciate you taking it to that level, right? We needed that. So thank you. Thanks for going there. Uh, I want to go back to the cancer diagnosis. Who would you be today if you hadn't had that diagnosis? I definitely would still be on the same journey, um, doing the work that I'm doing, but I don't think it would be the depth of the connection and understanding that I think what we are all seeking is to feel the way we want to feel, um, and to become ourselves and to be seen, heard, and understood. Um, And I might just be riding that what I would call mediocre wave and checking the boxes with a little more depth than the average person. But cancer brought me to my knees. It also made me face my deepest fears. Um. Like when you confront some of your deepest fears, and one of mine was the fear of dying or leaving my children, and that is actually becoming a reality. And you have to look at fear in the face and feel it viscerally and then realize like, you know, many nights I'm like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Like your brain goes there. Um, You and I are going to die, Mel, but we're probably not thinking about that right now right? Like we're, we're not believing that we're just like, yeah, someday it will happen. Mm -hmm. But when you actually feel it in your bones, like, oh my gosh, it's going to happen. Like fear fueled me to live. And I had to face it. I didn't have a back door. I had to go through it. And I realized that fear, you know how they say fear is false evidence appearing real face everything and rise, like all those cliche things. I had to get so present. I was like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And I'm like, but you're not dead today. How do you want to feel? Put more energy into how you want to feel than acting like the victim 
of your nervous system and focus on what would an alive person do today? The alive person would get her ass out of bed and take a shower. You might not have the energy for it, but get out of bed, take a shower. The next day, get out of bed, take a shower, go for a 10 minute walk, get out of bed, take a shower, go for a walk, read a book for 10 minutes. And then those slow, tiny habits were what brought me back to life. And then I just kept asking myself, how do you want to feel? How do you want to feel? And that is my focus. Now I get shit done in alignment with how I want to feel. I'm not dead inside and then saying, how much can I get done today and expecting to feel alive and energized? This is all just so incredibly powerful. And I just know someone who is suffering right now is hearing your words and taking such solace in them. And I so appreciate you going there with us. I really, really do. Um, It's just such a story of resilience, truly, truly a story of resilience. And you know, you think about those moments, right? I mean, you, you lived those moments, like where, where, you know, where do these ideas, like, thank God you were on a spiritual journey already, right? So Mm -hmm. you kept asking yourself about how you want to feel, but that strength for someone who's suffering right now, and they just don't know how to take the next move, how to take, make the next step, how to make Mm -hmm. the next call, how to ask the next person for support. Is there anything you can offer them today other than all the generosity you've already? Yeah. So I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I truly believe in the power of all the things that the personal development world um, portrays, you know, and then they talk about spiritual gaslighting and all the things. But when I, when I started this journey, I was very confused about what healing actually was. And you have to pay attention to the stories you tell yourself. Like you have to get very quiet. If I walked into my doctor's office and I was telling myself, this doctor is going to heal me or this next coach is the thing or this organic food is going to solve all my problems or this supplement that I'm going to put in my mouth is going to solve all my problems. You are giving your power away. You're not owning it. So I'm the creator of my life and I have to take ownership for how I want to feel. I can hire somebody or walk into the doctor's office, but then I can use my critical thinking skills and say, that doesn't sit well with me. You're you're just, one, you can't give me a diagnosis or tell me what's like, even point me in a direction, but then you're just giving me prescriptions okay, thank you. I see the capacity at what you're willing to go to. Now I'm going to go seek support from somebody else. You have to keep looking. But I see people say, "Um, I've gone to so many doctors and they keep telling me the same thing. So I just gave up and I'm just, I'm just broken. And I'm like, no, you've developed the identity of being a broken person and you were living out of your victim energy. If I did that, When I had a cancer diagnosis, I truly believe I would be six feet underground. Um, First of all, I am a white woman, uh, privileged, 
to the fact that I had connections and physically get myself into the hospital and stare physicians in the face and say, if you don't look at me, I am going to die and having to use my voice and then having to do the same thing advocating for my children in the educational system, the healthcare system. So realizing that taking my power back one moment at a time was emotionally uncomfortable, which is why I talk about that. That's why my podcast is called Emotionally Uncomfortable, because experiencing joy is emotionally uncomfortable. And so is actually feeling your fear fully instead of numbing it. So if you are willing to feel your fear and sit in it, fear of rejection, fear of success, fear of failure, fear of being judged, feel it fully, just sit with it, hold, you know, close your eyes, put your hands on your chest and be like, fear, I see you feel it. Don't try to eat it away. Don't try to Netflix it away. Don't try to social media it away. Don't try to gossip it away. Sit with it just for two minutes. Then you can go gossip and Netflix, but just sit with it. When you can fully sit with your feelings, you will understand how you are actively choosing suffering. Brilliant. Brilliant. And and just to go back to where you started this all, uh, you were talking about prescriptions and we talk about this in this community a lot. We want girls, we want everyone to know that everything you need is already inside of you. So we're constantly looking from that outside validation and permission, all the things when it's all already here. Um, we like to, and, yeah. and sorry, I, I get very, not sorry. I'm not apologizing. No, don't apologize girl. It's like okay. a woman thing. Um, <laughs> I'm like, every time I say, sorry, I'm like, no, I take that back. Yes. Um, I get very excited about these conversations. Um, you know, people do this like this or then. So I believe there's something I talk about in my TEDx talk. It's called Dying to Be a Good Mother. You can find it on YouTube. And when I was creating that talk, there was like this, what I called sustainable ambition theory. There's like this little triangle. And at the bottom was survival mode and then momentum and then thrival but I wasn't even in survival mode. I think we all know what survival mode feels like. We're like, oh, I'm burnt out, whatever. And we're, we're very used to being there. And that's like our identity. But my physical body was in a crisis state. Mm. And I didn't have the privilege at that moment because I was literally like deteriorating quickly. I didn't have the privilege at the moment, even though I knew intellectually the answers are inside of me. I had to surrender a little bit and just be like, you don't have the privilege of green drinking your green smoothies right now to like heal your body and going to yoga. Like you may have to do Western medicine intervention. And I know there's a lot of shame around that. There's a lot of like fears when people are in the holistic minded space. Cause I was, I had to surrender and realize like, I'm a, I'm a soul having a human experience in this Western world. I need to integrate all parts of this and nothing is bad. And so sometimes people end up on certain medications or doing certain things. They're like, I failed. And I'm like, no, you haven't. Everything is integration. And if that keeps you alive, so be it. 
But please understand that that is not a quick fix or an end-all be-all, and you can add things to it. Because I talk to a lot of parents who have medicated their children, and they're like, I feel horrible. And I said, that's step one. Now, keep doing your research. I'm so glad that you shared that. Um you're having your experience. I love that you said you're, you know, you have a human body. You may be having a spiritual experience, but at the end of the day, this is your human body. And so many of us hear the stories of like Louise Hay and Wayne Dyer healing themselves. And these are beautiful stories, but to really do our own research and do what is right for us, take Mm -hmm. all that information in and make your own decisions, I think is so paramount. Um, and and I both at the same time, if you have to, right? Exactly. Exactly. And I'm so not trying to cut you off. I just know you have to be off. I know I get excited and I'm so excited. I could keep you on for hours and you'll have to come back. Um, but this one question that I really, really want to ask you, and this is something we ask all the women in our community and the women who come onto our podcast, there is a statistic that a girl self-confidence peaks at age nine. And we are trying to change this statistic. Um, And we get curious and inquisitive about it. And I'd love to know from you, if you could, what would you share with your eight or nine-year-old self? Mm. You're going to go through a really dark period of your life and it's going to feel like it lasts forever. But understand that is where the strength comes and you does everyone cry when they do this? Cause I'm going to cry. You are worthy of feeling the way you want to feel. And that's exactly what the world needs from you. Beautiful. Beautiful. So received. Thank you. I know that, that there will, there will be a lot uh, of people who really feel what you just said. and needed to hear it so deeply. Uh, Heather, this has been so amazing. Thank you for being so generous and so open-hearted and kind. I, I think you're amazing. Um, cheering you on, please tell everyone how they can find you, where they can hear your podcast, read your book, all the good stuff. Yeah. So I have a really interesting quiz. It's called the life alignment quiz. And there's like four main pillars, what I call inner leadership. So it's like energy management, purpose, boundaries, um, And I always forget the fourth one. Oh, emotional freedom. And because this isn't black or white work, it really shows you where to focus your energy and attention and which kind of level you're living in, survival, momentum, thrival. So you can check that out at Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N.com forward slash life quiz. The podcast, Emotionally Uncomfortable, the book, Dying to Be a Good Mother, um, you know, the book you can check out anywhere books are sold online and the podcast where you listen to podcast. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you again. This was amazing. Appreciate Thank you, Mel. Thank you so much for your listenership. If you love what you're hearing, please consider leaving us a five-star review and subscribing to the show so that you don't miss an episode. These reviews are so very helpful to us and we are so grateful for each and every one of them. If you'd like to hang out with us on Instagram, give us a visit at Girl Life Empowerment. Can't wait to see you there.